Hi, and welcome back to What Happened, True Crime Chronicles. This is episode eight. In this episode, we're going to discuss the family annihilator, Chris Watts. Chris Watts was arrested on August the 15th of 2018 for the murder of his wife and two small daughters in Colorado. And after initially lying to police, he breaks down and admits to the murders. He then pleads guilty to their murders and tells detectives a series of stories about what happened that night. When the details of this crime came out, it was sickening and so very sad for this mother and her two young daughters. Chris was a family man. He had a wife, Shanann, and two small daughters, Isabella, whom the family called Bella, who was aged four, and three-year-old Celeste, who everyone called Cece. Bella and Cece were bright, energetic, beautiful children. This is such a troubling story, partly because the man who murdered his entire family had never had a brush with the law, had zero history of violence against the family or anyone else. There simply were no red flags or warning signs of what he was capable of or about to do. Truly chilling. Chris Watts was born in 1985 in Spring Lake, North Carolina. He went to school there, graduated high school there, and received a scholarship to continue his education. After college, he started working for a petroleum company as an operator. Chris was described by everyone as a quiet, pleasant, hard-working man. Shanann Watts was born Shanann Rusick in 1984 in Aberdeen, North Carolina. She was married and divorced before meeting Chris, and according to Shanann, it was a difficult divorce. That really traumatized her. She wasn't looking for another relationship at all. The two met in 2010 at when Chris sent Shanann a friend request on Facebook. They didn't know each other previous to this. The two start chatting, then dating, and then eventually they get married on November the 3rd, 2012. Shanann was diagnosed with lupus a few years before meeting Chris and was going through a really dark time when she met Chris. Medically, she was having a lot of examinations and procedures done. She said that Chris supported her through all of that and stuck with her through a lot of medical stuff that she was going through and was very loyal and loving. Shanann recorded much of their life together. She actually recorded a lot of things in her life. Videos and pics are everywhere on her social media. The Watts family purchased their first home, a five-bedroom home, in 2013. At this time, Chris was employed by a petroleum company as an operator, and Shanann with a multi-level marketing company, selling Thrive products from home. Their first daughter, Bella, was born in 2013, and Cece was born in 2015, just two, month, two years later. Sorry. Apparently, the couple filed for bankruptcy in 2015. This kind of signaled the first red flag that possibly not everything was as rosy as they kind of made it appear outwardly. So Shanann got pregnant with a son and after having the girls now in June 2018. Chris really wanted a son and in a home video shown to the public many times by now, his reaction was recorded by Shanann at the time of her pregnancy announcement. He is seen and heard asking about the pink stripes on the test. Apparently, he th 
that meant another girl. He really didn't sound or look very enthusiastic, and his reaction really looked kind of fake or fabricated. In light of what we now know happened very shortly after that, I guess we know he wasn't that enthusiastic about a family with Shanann at that time. June is a very significant month for the Watts family. In that same month, Chris starts talking to a woman named Nicole Kessinger, who's a co-worker and she worked with him at the petroleum company. According to reports, Chris starts a physical relationship with Nicole in July of 2018, which progresses very fast. Nicole said that while she knew he was married with children, he told her that he was about to get a divorce. Shanann goes to her parents' house with her two daughters in North Carolina for a six-week visit in late July. Chris stays home and while there pursues a relationship with Nicole. While Shanann is on that trip with her girls to her parents' house, Nicole and Chris wind up spending a lot of time together including at the Watts family home and out at restaurants, where the charges later appear on Chris's credit card statements. He later says in a report that he knew that stuff was going to show up on the bank card and that Shanann would see it, but at that point he'd already made up his mind of what he was going to do, and so it didn't matter anymore. How chilling is that? On July 30th, he sees Kessinger for the last time before he goes to join his wife in North Carolina at her parents' home. July 31st, he flies to North Carolina to join his family on vacation. During this time, there are texts between Shanann to Chris indicating that she feels like something is wrong. She texts a friend back and forth about how she feels that Chris is being distant and unfeeling towards her, that he won't physically touch her. She is also texting friends and telling them the same thing. On August the 4th, according to cell phone data, Nicole Kessinger looks for two hours at wedding dresses online. The first week of August, the family returns home from North Carolina. A few days later, just on August the 9th, Shanann leaves for her work conference trip to Arizona with her friend, Nicole Atkinson. This is the last trip that Shanann will ever take. Important to note, this is a different Nicole than the one Chris is now involved in. Shanann gets picked up at 4.30 a.m. by her friend Nicole to travel to the business training seminar. She's gone for four days. While she is away, again, Chris finds time to see Nicole Kessinger. He hires a babysitter to look after the kids and goes out with Nicole on at least one of those nights. We've now made our way up to the night of the murder. August 13th, 2018, the night of the murder, here's what we know. What we know from actual evidence is that Shanann is dropped off at home from her business trip by her friend Nicole Atkinson, not to be confused now with Chris's new girlfriend, Nicole Kessinger. She arrives home at 1.48 a.m., according to the doorbell camera footage on their home. Chris is seen on a, neighbor's, on a neighbor's camera footage getting into his vehicle around 5.15 a.m., a few hours later. Chris is seen leaving his home via the garage entrance, loading a gas can into his truck, then getting into his truck and backing his truck up his driveway and basically into the garage. 
A few minutes later, his truck is seen leaving the driveway, apparently heading to work. At about 1.40 p.m. in the afternoon of, of August the 13th, so the same day, Shanann's friend, Nicole Atkinson, the girl who dropped her off at 1.40 a.m., begins to grow worried about her friend after failing to reach her. She has texted and called Shanann multiple times at this point with no result. Now, Shanann and Nicole kept in touch very, very frequently, and she knew a lot of things that were happening at this point in their relationship. So Nicole's growing worried. She says she also grew worried because Shanann had a doctor's appointment at 9 o'clock that morning and failed to show up to it. Nicole knew she wouldn't miss it as she was 15 weeks pregnant at that point. Shanann also never just ignored her best friend. When she didn't show up for the appointment or call her friend back, Nicole went to her house. When Nicole shows up at, Shanann res at Shanann's residence and no one comes to the door, she can see through some of the side windows there that there is no one home. There's no movement inside the house. She calls Shanann's mother and then the police to request a welfare check. The police show up at the Watts home. By this time, others have been calling Chris to come home and look for his wife. Shanann's friend Nicole has called him. Shanann's mother has called him, etc. So Chris is assumedly on his way home from the work site. In the meantime, they are looking into the house, the police that is, via the windows and checking doors to make sure none of them are unlocked, just trying to establish that the family are not indeed at home and in some sort of danger maybe, such as maybe Shanann had fallen down or some other incident had befallen them. Chris gets home, greets the police, and immediately opens up the garage door. That's how he goes in, through the garage door. As soon as he goes in through the garage door, there is like footage of this, which I've seen, which is public. It's, I guess, police camera footage, I guess is what it is. He looks into the car, the car which is sitting in the garage. It's Shanann's car. He starts looking in it. He opens up the passenger side door. He's actually messing with something in the car. You can see him kind of moving something. He closes up the door. This car is just sitting in the garage. And then he goes in through the house and lets Nicole and, Nicole and Nicole's friend, who's also there, and the police in through the front door of the home. So they all come in. He looks around the house to make sure there's no one there, and he tells the police that they aren't indeed there. Yet, Shanann's car is in the garage. Her phone, her keys, her purse are all in the house, and there are no other signs that she has left voluntarily. Hers and the kids' medications, which they need to have with them all the time, everywhere they go. The girls had life-threatening allergies, um, apparently also to nuts and things like that, were still in Shanann's purse on the kitchen counter. No clothes or shoes were missing. There was nothing else gone. The bank accounts were untouched. The kids are gone too, not just Shanann. Chris tells the police that Shanann had stated that she was going to go visit a friend's home that day, but he couldn't give a name and he was really vague with this information. It's kind of assumed at this point by the police that whatever happened to the family happened after Chris left for work and before Shanann's friend Nicole showed up. So during that time period in the morning, the police start talking to neighbors and they go house to house. Uh, asking if anyone has seen Shanann and looking to get some information. When they go to the house next door, 
the the owner of the house next door opens up and he talks to the police and he allows the police and actually Chris Watts into his house. He volunteers the fact that he has video surveillance um, which kind of looks out onto the Watt property as well. So it shows his property but it also shows the driveway of the Watt home and part of the street in front where you would see anyone driving past the property. He actually pulls it right up for the police right there on the scene and this is all captured on the on the police body cam and shown um, to the public in some of the documentaries I've, I've seen so you can look that up. The surveillance actually shows Chris the morning of the murders. It shows him getting in the truck, putting the gas can in the truck, backing the truck up to his garage, but it shows nobody else entering or leaving the property that night or following morning or afternoon at all. No strangers entering or driving through the area. No Shanann leaving the house. No kids leaving the house. The police question Chris. He is recorded at his home during this questioning. Chris also appears on TV that day and gives a statement on the local news pleading for his wife to come home. And it is at first treated like a missing person investigation. On August the 15th, Chris is asked to be interviewed officially by the police. He agrees to go down to the police station and be interviewed, and at the police station, he agrees to take a polygraph test. He takes the test and fails it. The police officer says later that the only question he answered correctly was his name in the beginning. During this meeting with police, after the failed polygraph, he finally admits to the affair that he has been having. And when the police allow Chris's father into the interview room, who has flown across the country to see his son, Chris tells him that he killed Shanann. He says he killed Shanann at that time to his father because Shanann had killed the kids and he got angry with her. So he starts admitting to the police the killing of his wife, but he initially blames that children's death on Shanann, like I've just said. According to Chris's first version of events, this is what happened the night in question. Shanann comes home in the early morning hours of August the 13th. They argue, and he tells her he's having an affair. Shanann then kills the girls by smothering or strangling them. He specifically says either by smothering or strangling, like he didn't know which. And then he got mad at Shanann and kills her in anger and revenge. Yeah, I saw that movie too, Chris. Shutter Island, wasn't it? Anyway, then he says he drove them to what became the dump site. He got rid of their bodies and came home. The police don't buy this version of events at all, and they continue to interview and hound Chris for the truth. Eventually, Chris tells a different story. Interesting side note, the morning of the murders, after Chris had gone to work and gotten rid of the bodies and killed his family. He does a number of strange things that is later um, found out. One was that he made a call to his daughter's nursery school, telling them that the girls were being unenrolled. So he knew they were not going to be going to school again. Another was to a realtor to get his house put up on the market. Yes. Then he texted his girlfriend, Nicole Kessinger, back and forth as well. 
So Chris does tell the detectives where to find his family's remains. And on August the 16th, Shanann, Celeste, and Bella's bodies are recovered. This is the same day that Chris's girlfriend, Nicole Kessinger, starts talking to the police. Chris is also denied bond and held in jail at a hearing on that date. Shanann was 15 weeks pregnant with a son whom she had already named Nico at the time of her death. Chris is then charged with first-degree murder of his wife and two daughters on August the 21st, 2018. And additional charges are then laid due to his victims being younger than 12 and an unlawful termination of pregnancy for the death of unborn baby Nico, as well as three counts of tampering with a body are then filed against Chris, for now a total of nine counts. Chris enters into a plea deal to avoid the death penalty, and he pleaded guilty on November 6th to all nine charges. That's when he finally told a closer version of the truth of that night and early morning. Although I guess no one knows except Chris what happened that night, do they? Everyone else is dead. So we either take him at his word or we don't, but that's what we have. He says what really happened was... Shanann got home at 1.45 a.m. as the doorbell camera captures. She wakes him up and they have consensual sexual intercourse. They both fall asleep and when he wakes up to get ready for work, he winds up telling Shanann that their relationship is over, that they're not compatible, and that he's having an affair. Shanann tells him to get off of her, but instead he starts strangling her. He says he doesn't really know why he did it, but that he just started doing it. He also stated that she did not fight back. He says right after he killed Shanann, Bella came into the room holding her little pink blanket. The noise had awakened Bella. Right after he had killed Shanann and she asked him what was wrong with their mommy, Chris continued to lie and said nothing. So he next wrapped Shanann in a sheet and then he put her on the floor in his truck, which is what you see in the video footage. You don't see him putting anything besides a gas can in the trunk, but you do see him back the truck directly up to the garage. And so in the back or the trunk of the truck, that's when he put Shanann. Um, Right after that, he puts the girls in the truck as well in the back seat. He has Shanann on the floor and he seats them on the seat. He states at this point that the girls see their mother on the floor, wrapped up in the sheet, and they ask him if their mommy is okay. How heartbreaking is that? He says yes and proceeds to drive out to survey site 319, which is his work site. He says it takes him about 45 minutes to an hour, and he's thinking the entire time of how he will kill the girls. When he gets to the site, He takes Cece out of the truck first, and he says he smothers her with her blanket. He next does the same thing with Bella. So keep in mind, all of this time, he has driven with them alive out to this work site. He then buries Shanann at the site in a shallow grave in the ground. And horrifyingly, what he does with his daughter's bodies... He puts each of his daughter's bodies 
one at a time, one in each tank into the big crude oil tanks at the site. Out at the site, there are two big oil tanks at this work site. They have openings in the top of only eight inches. The police later measured are about the size of a very small dinner plate. This is where he forced each of his two small daughters' bodies, four-year-old Bella and three-year-old Cece, through that opening into those oil drums. The police actually had to drain the tanks and then remove the girls' bodies as they couldn't remove them from the tank any other way. The evidence corroborates this version of events by Chris. During the autopsies, the cause of death was ruled for Cece and Bella, both determined to be asphyxiation, although Bella's autopsy revealed trauma to her upper lip and gum, indicating a forced smothering and abrasions on her gluteal region due to it being forced through the opening in the tank. Just horrible what he did to his little daughters. Shanann's death was ruled to be the result of manual strangulation as she had bruising to the side and front muscles of her neck and other soft tissue. There was nothing out of place in the house when police first searched the house. No blood evidence, no signs of a struggle. The only thing they found weird when they first got to the house to search it that, that night were that the sheets on the main bed in the master bedroom were balled up on the floor and there was nothing but the mattress there on the bed. Uh, that's really all, all that they noticed. Although who really knows what happened that night, what the events were, what was actually said or done in that house that night or early morning. It's been speculated upon that maybe Chris had killed the girls during Shannon's work trip away, and maybe they weren't even alive when she got home that night. Only Chris knows that. Everybody else is dead, as I said earlier. He was sentenced to five, five life sentences without the possibility of parole, and these sentences are to run consecutively. Apparently in the years since he went to jail, he has also been sued for wrongful death by Shanann's fi family as well. He remains today locked up in the Dodge Correctional Institution in Wopun, Wisconsin, which is a maximum security prison, where he will remain for the rest of his natural life. And that wraps up this episode of What Happened, True Crime Chronicles. Please join me next time for the next installment of What Happened, and please follow and share my podcast. Thank you so much. Until next time.